Hey, everyone. This is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have found me at the Off the Bench podcast today. I am excited to have an old friend on the show, Bill Jack, the founder of Worldview Academy, is here. And we're going to tear it up today talking about the future of free speech and why it matters to every American. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, welcome to the show. Hope you guys had a wonderful New Year's celebration with your families and that you're ready to hit the ground running in 2023. One of the reasons I love having guests here at the show is because I am uh, very interested and encouraged to hear from people who are doing more than just talking. They're putting their feet uh, in, in and, and onto the pavement and actually doing what God's asked us all to do, which is to have dominion, to really work at bringing the gospel and work at bringing the message of Christ to the culture. Bill Jack is on the show. You guys remember Bill. He's the co-founder of Worldview Academy. He's an educator with 10 years of experience in the secular schools and then 14 years with the Caleb campaign, which is a creationist youth ministry. Bill has spoken to thousands of students and parents around the nation and appeared on radio and podcast and television programs. And you guys are going to hear it. His passion is to raise up a generation who have the vision to reach the culture with the gospel and the valor to engage that culture with the truth, to rely on the virtue of the word of God. Bill's a widower. He's the father of three grown children and two grandkids, and he lives in Castle Rock, Colorado. Bill, my friend, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. And we do need to put our feet on the pavement, but too often I put my foot in my mouth. So I hope you can edit (laughs) this heavily. So... It's good to see you. Well, you know, it's good to see you. You and I have even more in common now than we did last time we talked because we both ran for elected office. Well, I ran for in state 2022. You, stand, you ran for U.S. Congress, so that's a that's a bigger pond. That's a that's an ocean compared to my little pond. But it was the similar similar results. Well, it seems to me that the similarities are still there. Yeah. Well, we both had similar results in that we didn't uh, make it through the primary. But honestly, in talking with you, it sounds like we had experienced a lot of the same things, Uh, you know, in terms of the political landscape. I just said on my podcast last week, politics is downstream from culture. Yes. And the culture is on its head right now. Yes. And so we're going to look we're going to focus a little more upstream. What about you? I, I agree. And and what we were told in Colorado, what candidates were told, conservative candidates, stay away from abortion, stay away from, you know, uh, first or second amendment rights, stay away from these issues mm. because they're, they're non-winnable. We need to win on the issues like gas prices. And I, I, I heard that over and over and over, but yet when I knocked on doors and I knocked on over 3000 doors personally, uh, the first question was, you know, about those issues. Where do you stand on abortion? What about the Second Amendment? What about mm-hmm. education? And those were at the heart, on the hearts of people. And so the Republican Party, at least in Colorado, walked away from the issues that, that were really resonating with the voters, with the Republican stalwart voters. And as a result, twenty in in my county where I was running, twenty thousand fewer Republicans voted than in the previous election. So wow. So we 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 did. Why do you think that is? 
I, I think that we ran a, a slate of candidates that did not hold to the party platform. We had a... Yep. Um, That's what happened here yeah. in Washington State, 100%. We had a, yeah. a candidate against uh, Senator Bennett, the Democrat incumbent, and he openly, Joe O'Day, openly touted his pro-abortion position. His daughter would get on ads and say, my father's a different type of Republican. He believes in a woman's right to choose up oh, wow. to five months. Even the candidate for governor came out a few weeks prior to the election itself and touted her pro-abortion stand. So we have been betrayed. Republican yeah. voters have been re- betrayed by those who sign off on the party platform and then turn around and stick the knife in in their supporters. It's so true. And we, we've seen this across the country. Yes, yes. And so I think we need to return to that. I think just uh, I've been reading Nehemiah, and I think one of the things that needs to happen is that, that Christians need to get on our face and begin to mourn and weep and repent of our own sins. And then we need to begin to get our own house in order. We need to get out of debt. We need to put our priorities back on what is the role of the father in the home to raise godly seed. We need to put our priorities back on our children and stop feeding them to the machine that is chewing them apart. Mm. We, we sacrifice our children to Moloch, if you will. The practice of, of Moloch, the worship of Moloch in the Old Testament was that there was a huge idol that was hollow. His mouth was wide open. They would build fires in the belly of this idol, and they would roll children down the arms of this idol into the fires. They would purposely sacrifice their children and burn them alive. And we are we wouldn't do that, of course, would we? No, no, we just we just you know, burn them in their mother's wombs with saline abortions. No, we we wouldn't sacrifice our children to Moloch. No, we just feed it into their veins through the drugs. No, no, we wouldn't sacrifice our children to Moloch. No, we just sear their consciences by sending them to schools that do not fear God. So we as Christians need to return to a biblical view of who has jurisdiction, where who has the right to speak law, where, for example, I can't come into your house and put my food in your refrigerator. It's your house. It's your refrigerator. It's your jurisdiction. But we allow. Yeah, you right. Yeah, that's right. But we we take our children who are under our jurisdiction and we sacrifice them to Moloch in our mm. culture, to the secular mm-hmm. schools. Now, the interesting thing about that practice that was brought back into Israel is that the person who allowed it to be brought back in was King Solomon. The wisest man in history brought this practice back into Israel because if and because he allowed his wives to bring it back in. If we we are arrogant, we are arrogant to think that we can avoid that pitfall. When the wisest man in history was not able to avoid that, we think, oh, we would never do that. We are doing it. We, we feed porn into their eyes and we, we, we feed drugs into their veins. 
we rip our children from the womb. We are a culture in love, in love with death. And so we need to get on our faces. We need to repent. We need to mourn. And then we need to get up and we need to go build the walls. We need to go out and rebuild the walls. And that's what Nehemiah did. He looked around. He went out on a, on a mission and tried to find where the walls were down. And then after he did his intel, he came back and he developed a plan. And he positioned people. It was interesting because he put them in places right in front of their homes. My uh, grandfather owned a small lumberyard back in southern Illinois. And every morning he would get up and he would walk to work and he would take a broom and he would sweep the sidewalk and the street in front of his lumberyard. It was right on Main Street in a small town. And every morning, another businessman who would walk by on his way to work and see my grandfather doing this. And one morning he stopped him and he said, Will, why do you bother to sweep the street and the sidewalk in front of the lumberyard? Because tomorrow it's just going to be dirty again. And my grandfather said, hmm. how much cleaner would this town be if each person swept the street in front of his own house? That's where we hmm. need to begin. I can't do anything about Biden. I can't do anything about the governor of Colorado, really. But I can begin on my street. I can begin in front of my own house. I need to get my house in order. Every Christian needs to get his house in order. We then need to build a community of like-minded people and begin to give vision to those people about rebuilding the walls. And we can rebuild the walls. Yes, enemies are going to mock us. Remember Sam Ballot and Tobias? They said, oh, if a little chihuahua dog jumps up on the wall. That's the way you spell it. That's the way I'm going to pronounce it. If a little chihuahua jumped up on the wall, it would fall down. And they laughed. And then as the wall got bigger, they became nervous. And they plotted against them. Nehemiah found out about this. So what did he do? He positioned his workers with swords in one hand and bricks in the other. We yep. build where we can and we battle where we must. That's the mentality that we have to have. And so start where you live. Don't worry about the bigger picture. Worry about and act on what you're doing locally. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As you and I discovered in our runs, all politics is local. So begin where you are and, and you will have victories. And when you have victories, you know what the enemies will do? Just like what happened in Nehemiah. They're going to say, hey, hey, come over here and, and let's negotiate. That's what, what I saw happening in my run in Colorado. 
because they got our side to compromise. The enemies of truth got our candidates to compromise on abortion, on education, on the Second Amendment, on all of these foundational principles that have made us a free and great country that loves liberty. We no longer value liberty. We value personal peace and prosperity. We value safety. Yeah. And and that's exactly what, what I saw happen. So the enemies will try to get you to negotiate. There's no negotiation with, with the enemy. And what is, what does light have to do with darkness? And so stay the course and then celebrate when you have victories. But don't rest on your laurels because, because mm-hmm. the enemy is relentless. The re- enemy is relentless in attacking yeah. us. But don't be discouraged. I, I was not, I was disappointed in the results of my, my run for office. I wanted to win. Okay. I, I put, you know, five hours a day for several months, walking door, walking neighborhoods, knocking on doors. And then suddenly, poof, that was gone. And I'm still trying to figure out why did God have me run? Because obviously he's sovereign. He knew I wasn't going to make it. Did I misread his his Mm -hmm. leading? And I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But and I may never know. I may never know this side of eternity why he had me engaged in that particular battle. But I was not discouraged. By the by the battle itself, I, I would do it again knowing full well that the results would be the same. I would I would still run. Yeah. Because I, I met a lot of people. I got to talk to teach people about the issues of jurisdiction. And I was I came away encouraged that the grassroots they still hold to biblical values. I'm not too concerned about conservative values. I don't want to conserve. I don't want to conserve the culture. I want to change the culture. I want to revamp the culture. I want to revive the culture. And so it gave me a clearer perspective on what the battle is. That's a long answer to a short question. Well, you've said that you've said that Christians have exchanged the worship of a big God for submission to big government. There's no better place that we see this than in the than in the modern political landscape. But why do you phrase it that way? I think it's it's uh, I think it's so important, you know, as we we talk about where we're going to go from here and you bring up jurisdiction quite a bit. And you're the first person to actually help me really understand jurisdiction. Several years ago when you were on the show, we had a long conversation about it. But it's so important for Christians now to realize all this hand wringing that you're doing, sitting there watching Joe Biden fumble across the stage and you can't string a coherent sentence together. And then you hear what they're doing at the United Nations. And we have all these uh, these these morally bankrupt politicians running our lives. And we sit there and we wring our hands about it. There's nothing we can do about that. That's outside of our jurisdiction. What is the jurisdiction that God gave me? It's my home. It's my family. It's my community. It's what Heidi St. John is doing in Vancouver, Washington, that's that's going to likely affect the country if I can keep my hands uh, firmly a place on the wheel that God has given to me. But why do you say that Christians have exchanged? Because you're totally right. But I'm I'm wanting you to unpack it for just a minute. The worship of a big God for submission to big government. We saw this a lot in the Rona. 
That's for sure. Exactly. I, one, one of the things that, that happened during my campaign is that I was asked to, to go meet with a group of, of conservative guys who, who gathered every Saturday for coffee at this local coffee shop. They knew the issues. These were professionals. <laughs> a lot of them were yep. retired. Not all of them were Christians, but they were all conservative. And I, I sat down and I said, OK, uh, what are the problems? They nailed the problems. They nailed every problem that we were facing. I said, okay, so I can't do everything. Okay, I can't solve federal levels. I can't even solve a lot of state levels, but I can give me something practical to do that would help resolve these issues. And every time I would ask that, they would say, well, government needs to do this. Well, we need to have government do this. And I said, wait a minute, you have just spent half an hour telling me that government is the problem. And now you want to turn around and have government provide the solution. That's what I mean. We have been trained to think that we look to government for the solution rather than looking to God for the solution. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. And even the church is doing this. Yes, the church is doing it. That's what happened in Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, I'm going to put a trumpeter near me. We've been told that the enemy's coming. We're stretched out on the wall far from one another. Is that not true today? He said, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. And then he said this. He Hmm. said, fight for your your wives, your sons, your daughters. He said, but rally to us there. He said, our God will fight for us. He wasn't looking to himself. He wasn't looking to his own army. He wasn't looking to the to the strength of the number of people. He was saying we are to be obedient to God and he will fight for us. We have said, oh, we need government to solve these problems. No, rally. Take jurisdiction over what God has given you. Submit to him and God will fight for us. God will provide the solution. Too often we look to government for the solution to the problems. If we could just change a little bit of of the educational system. No, we need to return education to the jurisdiction of the parents. We need to dismantle the secular education system. Here's the question. Jesus said he, he told a group of lawyers in Luke 11, 52, he said, you have taken away the key of knowledge. That's a curious charge. Well, what is the key of knowledge? Proverbs says the key of knowledge is what? Fear of the Lord. Key of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Here's a question that parents need to start asking themselves. Is the basis for every subject that is taught in every secular school across the country, is the basis for that the fear of the Lord? And the answer, of course, is no, it is not. They do not start with the fear of the Lord. So why are we sacrificing children to Molech in the secular schools? We need to take jurisdiction back to the parents. What's happening nationally is reflected in what has happened locally in Canyon City, Colorado. As you know, we do a bridge year program a gap year program for students who are just out of high school. It's a two semester program. It's worldviewbridgeyear.com. 
And it's a two-semester program for students who want to get grounded in their faith before they hit college or the career path. And as part of the program, we take our students out and have them engage high school students in conversation. It is an ideal location because Canyon City High School is in Canyon City. It's not out in the field somewhere. Right across the street is a public park with tennis courts, playground equipment for little kids, pavilions for picnickers, and the campus is open. So during the school year, students during lunch will flow down out of the campus, across the street, into the park, on their way to the fast food restaurants two blocks away. And a lot of students hang out in the park. And so our students from the Abbey have great conversations with students. Well, there's a problem as well, and that is that drug dealers take advantage of high school students. And because it's an open campus and the students hang out in the park during lunch, drug dealers would show up. It's very hard to catch drug dealers in the act. Police presence is always there. So in an attempt to staunch the drug dealing, the school and the city reached an intergovernmental agency agreement where the city turned over the park to the school five days a week, 180 days out of the year from sunrise to sunset. Now, what does that do? That means if you're in the park and you're a non-student, then you can be told to leave or you will be charged with trespassing. They don't have to catch drug dealers in the act. They can just move them out because they are loitering or trespassing on school property. That seems reasonable. But what does that do for our students? What does that do for me when I go out and engage students in conversation about spiritual things, when we go out and share the gospel? That means that suddenly we are illegal. Now, besides that, it doesn't solve the drug dealing. All it does is it moves the drug dealing a half a block down the alley out of sight of the administration. You know what would solve the drug dealing? Exactly what we're doing. That is, Christians need to flood the park during lunch hour, five days a week, and talk to students about their need for Christ and about the gospel. Yeah. Now, we have addressed this issue legally by letters from attorneys. The school and the city has ignored our requests. They don't even respond. This is a free speech issue. It is not a religious issue. This is a basic free speech issue. And that means that I am suddenly illegal in a public park if I come up and talk to a student about Jesus Christ. And the principal even said to me, he said, look, he said, we we don't mind that you guys are here. In in fact, all you got to do is just walk over and sign in and that we'll be fine. That's exactly what the enemies did to Nehemiah. Come out and negotiate with us. Come out and meet with us. Now, if I sign in... That's like sign in when you're going to church in the middle of the Rona. Exactly. Sign in. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I've done is I've given that principal jurisdiction that he does not have by by kowtowing to his request. And by the way, if I signed Mm -hmm. in over there, you know what that would mean? I would have access to the entire campus during non-instructional hours. He doesn't want me doing that, I'm sure. 
I don't give him jurisdiction he does not have. So here's what we've done. We've decided to take it in the next level. Since, since the administration and the city is just turning a blind eye to the, to the situation, to our request, to our complaints about this is a, this is a violation of constitutional, constitutional free speech. We have now started passing out tracks, flyers, five questions your science teacher doesn't want you to ask. Five questions your history teacher doesn't want you to ask. Five questions your English teacher doesn't want you to ask. Five questions your sex ed teacher doesn't want you to ask. That was the last one we passed out. Here are the five questions for that one. How many genders are there? Can I define my own identity? Are all sexual desires and preferences equally valid, like pedophilia, homosexuality, transgenderism? What is the greatest psychological problem a human faces? Is it an internal or an external problem? And question number five, who's the only one who can fix an internal problem? Can a finite, broken person fix his own broken self? And you see where we're going with the answers. On the back side, we have all the answers and a gospel presentation. And we say, so, ask your sex ed teacher this question. If the Bible claims to provide the answers to man's internal problems of brokenness, why do we not study the answers it offers to man's brokenness? Well, everyone, I hope you're enjoying this interview with my friend, Bill Jack, the founder of Worldview Academy. Bill, as you guys can hear, really has a heart to see your young people be able to exercise their faith in the public square. He cares about teaching kids why the truth matters and how to defend it. And if you want more information, you can go to worldview.org or you can simply go to worldviewbridgeyear.com to find out more about their Bridge Year program for students who have graduated from high school. I'm going to air part two of my interview with Bill Jack tomorrow. So come back for that. And in the meantime, I'm going to encourage you, as I always do, love your families well. And I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.